You're listening to teaching from the Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. I know that for the past few weeks, the church, you guys have been in a series on marriage. But Ronnie also said, hey, we spent the past few weeks talking about marriage, but we also want to address the issue of singleness. And so that's what I want to do today is to look at the Bible and talk about what does the Bible say about singles? How many are single in the church today, if you don't mind? Okay. How many are married? Raise your hand if you're married. Okay. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. The majority of you in here are married. And today we're talking about singleness. And you may be thinking, just to the married people, I want to talk just for a minute. What does this have to do with me? Like you hear the sermon is on singleness and you're pulling out your phones or maybe you're falling asleep because you don't think this has anything to do with you. Um, I just want to challenge the married folk at the very beginning. Please do not um, doze off You can doze off, but don't doze off just because you think a sermon on singleness doesn't matter to you, okay? Um, I would really challenge you. um, It would be a very selfish way to hear a sermon if the sermon was on singleness and you thought, well, because I'm not single, I don't need to listen to that. Um, You have single people in your church, in this church, who need to know how to live faithfully as a Christian, as a single person, just as you would like to learn how to live faithfully as a married couple. And so consider others better than yourselves by tuning into the message. Also realize that if you want to be a church that's reaching your community, then there are a lot of single people here in this community. In fact, the age of people marrying is getting later and later and later. And so if you're going to be a church that reaches the lost, then you're going to be bringing in new people into the church who are single. And I would also encourage you, if you're married, um, learn what the Bible has to say about how to live faithfully as a single person so that you can take and be a model for those who are single in the church and help them grow in their faith. And so I'm going to most of what I have to say today is going to be addressed mainly to those who are single. But again, If you are not single, if you're married, please listen today with ears ready to learn. Um, I'm married. Um, I've been married for about six and a half years, but I moved to Japan 10 years ago, uh, which means when I moved there, I was single. I was on a team of um, four married couples, and then there were two single guys, and I was one of those two single guys. And so I was in Japan for four years before I got married, and so... um, I know a little bit <coughs> of, the, of the joys and the struggles of, that come with singleness. And I also know um, some of the struggles and the pressures that you get if you're a single person. Um, singles, maybe you've gotten the impression that maybe if you get to a certain age and you're not married, then maybe there's something wrong with you. I mean, even when I was in college, there was the pressure, even in college, to get married as soon as possible. And when I would come back to uh, to America from Japan, when I was single, I would go. I would go even around and speak at churches like this, and people would say, "Oh, um, um, where's your wife? 
Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm single. Oh. Uh, I'll, pray, I'll pray for you. You know, but you know what most people say is, "Oh, I've got this daughter, and she is really beautiful." And you, it's like, but it makes listen. If you're single, that makes you think that unless you are married, you're not able to live this fulfilled life that a a, um, a fully realized adult should be. That's a terrible way to view singleness. What does that communicate to the single Christians in the church that if we're saying to them, unless you get married or until you are married, you're not able to fully be a part of our church community. Jesus himself was single, never married, never had children, never had sex. And Jesus was completely fulfilled and fully alive. The apostle Paul was single, wrote much of the New Testament. And he actually says in 1 Corinthians, I actually wish all of you were as I am. Christianity itself was the very first religion that held up being single as actually a positive, as a viable way of life for an adult. All other religions, they considered marriage and having children to be the only honorable way to live. And Christianity comes and says, no, even if you are single, there's nothing holding you back. So clearly you do not have to be married to live a fulfilled and a meaningful life. Actually, the Bible says that those who are single have some advantages, some great advantages that married people do not have. And yet there are also some significant challenges to being a Christian single person. I wanna talk about some of those today, but before I do, just to be really clear, um, I want to define what singleness means, okay? Okay. It means someone who is not married. If you're dating and you've been dating for years, but you're not married, according to the Bible, you are single. That's a a biblical definition of singleness. If you're divorced, then you are single. You are not married, okay? So what does the Bible have to say about those who are single? Um, The first thing I want to mention, and this is a great advantage of being a single person, is that singleness brings freedom. Okay, I want to read from 1 Corinthians. If you have a Bible, um, I would encourage you, open it up, turn it on to 1 Corinthians um, chapter 7. I'm going to read from verse 32 through uh, verse 35. The Apostle Paul writes and he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or the betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. And so I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And so the main point here is Paul is saying, if you get married, your interests are divided. Okay. Um, I, when I was single, I loved, genuinely loved being single. Uh, my wife's not here. Uh, I, st- 
I need to say, I, I love being married too. Let me get to just be very clear about that. But genuinely speaking, and I tell her this too, I actually really enjoyed the single life. Um, as personality, I'm an extrovert by personality, so I love going out. I love meeting people and going to hang out with people. And as a single guy, I could. In fact, as a pastor, as a minister, I wanted to go and to meet people and help share my faith with them and build relationships with them. And as a single guy, there was nothing holding me back from doing that. When I first moved to Japan, I was a single guy. We were all in full-time language school. And the truth is, I was able to progress further and long in Japanese study, not because I was smarter than my other teammates, but because they were all married. We got done with language school. They had to go back and they had to, their interests were divided. They wanted to be with their wife. They wanted to take care of their kids as they should. But I was free to study Japanese as hard as I could. And so there were great, great advantages to the freedom that came with my singleness. Now, as I said, being married is great, but I had more time to serve God, to serve the church when I was single. When you're married, you can't do some of the things that you used to do. And listen, I'm glad I got married, but it's just true. When you're single, you have more freedom. And that can be a great thing, but it can be a very dangerous thing. Because if you're single and if you have freedom, I think one of the biggest dangers in your life is selfishness. Because you're free to spend your life however you would like without your interests being divided and left to our own, we are all geared to look after ourselves. All of us are. And so I just wanna make a challenge to single people. If you're here and if you're single, don't waste this time of your life. Take advantage of the time you have right now. How are you using the freedom that you have with your time, with your money, are you using it to be selfish and, and to do whatever you want, what makes you feel good? Or are you using it for the sake of the kingdom of God? So singles, what are some other ways that you can live to the fullest and to be faithful to God as a single man or woman? Um, I want you to remember, first of all, don't make marriage an idol in your life. Um, if you're single, and one day you would like to get married, that's a very good thing. It's a good, healthy desire. Marriage is wonderful. But for many single people, the thought of, of one day being married, I just want to be married one day, it becomes an idol in their life as if until the day I get married, I cannot be fulfilled in life. So a question, if you're here today and you're single, if God never gave you a spouse, ever, could you be content? Could you live with contentment? And if not, then marriage might be an idol in your life. Because God may one day provide you with a husband or a wife, but he may not. And if he doesn't, is your relationship with God enough? Is your identity in Christ as a child of God enough? Or do you also need the identity of husband or of wife or of mother or father? As Christians, our identity is in Christ and that's enough. So let me just say that again. 
Your identity is in Jesus. If you want to get married, it's beautiful. It's a great desire. But um, another thing I want to say is don't think that marriage will solve all your problems. And married people are snickering because marriage brings more problems. Paul actually encourages those who are single to stay single if they, if they can, if they can, because when you have two sinful people living together, it causes more problems. If you struggle with loneliness or depression or sexual sin or selfishness as a single person, you're probably still going to struggle with those things as a married person. And so <clears throat> I think one of the best advices that I could give to a single person is to spend more time becoming the person that God wants you to be than looking for the person that you want to be with. Because a lot of single people, they want to get married. And so what they do is they try to think in their minds, if I, want, if I get married one day, what's the kind of girl, what's the kind of guy that I want to get married to? And then they begin building this list of qualities, of conditions that the person needs to be because I, I, gotta, I gotta find this pers- perfect person. So, um, you know, as a Christian, okay, you know, she needs to be a Christian, uh, first, right? Uh, she needs to be beautiful. She needs to be from Texas. Uh, she needs to be able to cook. Uh, she needs to be funny, and she needs to like the things that I like, and she needs to make a lot of money. And, she, and, and, and so they build this list of this ideal person that one day I want to get married to, and then you see them 10 years later, and it's no surprise that they're still single because they've got this perfect person in mind that they have to get married to. And they look to themselves regarding who they should marry and not looking to the Bible. So what does the Bible say about the kind of person that you should marry? What does the Bible say about how to be in a healthy dating relationship? Not much. Um, They didn't really do dating in the times of the Bible. Many marriages were arranged. Um, So if you go to the Bible looking for how to be, how to be a, you know, how to find the person that I'm going to marry, you're not going to find much. What you will find a lot all over the place is the kind of person that you should be. So if you're a single Christian here today hoping to one day get married, I think God's advice to you is to stop focusing on finding the right person and start focusing on being the right kind of person yourself. The Apostle Paul who wrote lots of the New Testament, he told the young Christian named Timothy, he said, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those community here, who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He also said, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So he didn't give Timothy dating advice. If you go to the Bible looking for that, you will not find much. But you'll find a lot about who you should be becoming. 
And so instead, listen, I know this is hard, but instead of getting frustrated that you can't find the kind of person that you want to get married to, focus more on becoming who God is calling you to be. And what this will do, if that's what your life becomes about, it will begin moving your life in a particular direction. Your priorities will begin to move a certain way. And it gives you more odds that you would find somebody who's going on that same journey with you, a a follower of Jesus, someone who is kind, selfless, joyful, pure, beauty on the inside, generous. And when you start living that way, perhaps God may introduce you to somebody moving in that way. But it's hard to find that kind of person if you yourself are not moving. And so instead of waiting around, looking for the right person to come, try to become the person God is calling you to be, a person who loves God, who knows and obeys his word, who's connected with the church, with community. And when you do get ready to start dating, if you do, singles, Ask the question, will this person, this potential person that you would date, will this person help me become more like Jesus? Because that is your primary relationship, your relationship with God. And if that person will not help you grow in your most important relationship, then they are not for you. And what this means, and I want to say this clearly, and, and I said this very clearly in Japan when I spoke to our church about this very topic is that a Christian should not date or marry a non-Christian. And I wanted to say that clearly because I think the Bible speaks clearly to that. And again, that's difficult in Japan. Think about this. The church that we have in Japan, many young Christians, but remember how few, how few Christians there are in Japan. So you have these single, young Japanese Christians and they're hoping to one day be married. Think about how easy it would be for them to compromise. Because there are no Christians. There are so few Christians and there are some in our church who are staying faithful to Jesus, deeply desiring to one day be marrying, but who are saying, I will not compromise. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can like have with darkness? Don't be yoked together with an unbeliever. Do you know what a yoke is, right? Two ox, oxen, ox, oxen, two ox, oxen, thank you, oxen, thank you. I speak Japanese, I, I struggle with English. Two of those in one yoke going in the same direction. Imagine if they were yoked together, going in different directions, that doesn't work, right? But by very definition, being a Christian means heading in the direction of God and being a non-Christian by definition means you're going the other way. You can't be yoked together with that kind of person in marriage. that's, That's what makes it difficult to, if you're a Christian, to be married to a non-Christian is by definition, you're going in the other direction. And that's why it's often very hard. Even There may be even couples here today where one of you is a Christian, the other's not yet. And you can testify to the difficulty 
of trying to have one person live faithfully to Jesus as a Christian and the other does not yet believe. So single Christian, listen to me. Don't date someone. If you know without a doubt that that person is not the kind of guy or girl that you want to marry, no matter how pretty she is or how much money he has or what kind of feelings that you get when you're together with each other, will this person help you become like Jesus? Don't settle for anything less. And if you're already dating somebody like that, as hard as it is, I think you may need to reconsider your relationship. And if you're not a Christian here today, my advice is don't date a Christian unless you're ready to become one. Um, listen, if you're not ready to become a Christian, you, you don't want to date a non-Christian. Because again, by definition, a Christian is somebody who their most, they should be, their most important job is to be faithful to God, right? That is what a Christian should be doing. By being together with a non-Christian, they are being unfaithful to their most important relationship, okay? So if they're willing to be unfaithful to God, then who's to say they wouldn't be unfaithful to you? And so it's a hard thing to say, but I wanna say it here and I said it in Japan as well. In the long run, your priorities will be different your vision for family will be different. The way you spend your money will be different. Another thing I want to say to Christian singles, or for Christian married, for that matter, is to fight for sexual purity. Let me first say that God created marriage and God created sex, and he created them to be very good. Sex, the way that God intended for it to be, it's not a sin, it's a gift. Often Christians, I think, are known for thinking or talking about sex as though it is dirty and it is wrong, and that could not be further from the truth. God invented it. He created sex to be an amazing gift that should be celebrated and even frequent within marriage. But when it gets outside of the context that God designed it to be, it is damaging. Many people think sex is a physical act, just a physical act, just something fun to do with no major consequences. But if you treat sex that way, you will hurt yourself and you will hurt the person that you will one day marry in the future. There are many people, many married people today who will still tell you they are still dealing with the consequences of bad sexual decisions they made in the past when they were single. There's a book in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is writing to Christians to the city of Corinth. All right, this was a city that was filled with sexual immorality, filled with promiscuity. And he writes to Christians and he says, flee from sexual immorality. Run away, flee. This word sexual immorality refers to a person, sex with a person that you are not married to. And then in the next part of the verse, he says, this is really interesting. He says, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, 
But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Sexual sin is unlike any other sin. And it's not because God won't forgive you. It's not because God hates it more than other sins. It's unlike other sins because of the depth to which it can injure you. This act that can be so good and beautiful and unifying and powerful and bonding within marriage has the same power to tear your life apart. There is no other sin like sexual sin when it comes to the ongoing consequences in your life. A couple of verses before, Paul says, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? That word unites in the Greek, it means this permanent bonding that can't be separated. Paul goes on, he quotes from the book of Genesis when he says, the two will become one flesh. That's what happens when you have sex with someone. You unite with that person. God designed it to be that way. But if you become one with person after person after person, then you damage your ability to experience what God intended for you to experience in marriage. Now, if you have, there is forgiveness and there is reconciliation, but it is difficult. Paul goes on, he talks to the Christians. So if you're, if you're a Christian, listen here. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received with God? You are not your own. Listen, you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. If you're a Christian here this morning, you're not your own. You have been bought. You have purchased the Son of God, laid down his life. He was crucified on a cross. He bled and died for you. He gave up his body for you. And now he's saying, if you're a follower of me, right after he's talking about sexual sin, he says, that's what I did for you. I've bought you with a price. Therefore, listen, honor me with your body. He's saying, I gave up my life, my body for you. And now I'm asking you, honor me with your body. And I would also say, honor, honor also your future spouse, singles, with your body. Reject the idea, I know it's popular these days and I know it's, it's common, but reject the idea that the more sex you have now, the better it will be for your spouse in the future. I promise you, when you get married, your spouse will not say, I'm so glad you've had so much practice. I promise you. The best gift that you could give to your husband or your wife is to say, I've, I've honored you. I've honored God with my body. I also want to say, um, singles, um, also guard yourself against pornography. Jesus said that it, in God's eyes, lust is the same as committing adultery. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. If your right eye causes you to sin, cut off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. 
So guard your sexual purity. I know that in a room like this, many have already made mistakes in the past. Some of you have a sexual history that that you may one day go into marriage with. I don't want you to feel guilt or regret. That's not what the sermon is about today. It is not a sermon on condemnation. If you have a sinful past, welcome to the club. We all do. And I want you to know that God loves you. And he will forgive you of your past. He will redeem you from your sins. He will give you a clean slate. There can be freedom. And if you're marrying the right kind of person, then he or she will forgive you too. It's not too late to say that from now on, you will be faithful to God and his word and live a life of purity and abstain from sexual relations until you get married. That's a hard message, but for a message to single Christians, it's a message that needs to be preached. Now in closing, I just wanna give a few pieces of simple advice for Christian singles in the church. First of all, if you're a Christian and having sex with someone you're not married to, stop it today. Explain to them why you have made that decision. And if they're upset with you, if they pressure you to keep going, they're not the kind of person you want to be with. Um, Here's another piece of advice. Don't stay in an unhealthy relationship. If you're in an abusive relationship, stop it. If they're hurting you emotionally or physically, don't keep dating them. Refuse to stay in an unhealthy relationship. Another simple one is if you start dating somebody, don't abandon your other friends. Guys, we need guy friends too. Girls, you need Christian girlfriends too. If you're a Christian, don't date somebody in secret. If you're dating somebody and you don't want anybody else to know about it, it's probably a sign that there's some unhealth. Have wise friends, Christian friends that you can talk to encourage you, pray for you in your relationship. And finally, understand that a boyfriend or a girlfriend, it, it's not gonna complete you. Either is getting married. The ultimate gift is not marriage, but Jesus. And people who make the ultimate gift marriage, they're gonna end up compromising. They'll say, I know she's not a Christian, but, but she's pretty. I know he's not... He doesn't love Jesus, but he's really kind to me. He's the first guy that's ever been kind to me. She's not very kind to me, but uh, she's not very kind or serious about her faith, but she's she's got a lot of money. Maybe as you get older, you feel pressure from yourself or maybe your family to get married. I know the struggle is difficult, but don't compromise. I want to make you a promise. It is better to be single and alone than married and miserable. It is better to be single and alone than married and miserable. And all the married people said, no, don't, 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 don't say amen. That'll be a long ride home for you. Don't compromise though. Know that the ultimate gift is Jesus. 